Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Jim Brandstetter in a moment. And our play-by-play call of the day, the Bruins last night in a big win over the Anaheim Ducks. High slot, here's Krug. Wrist far circle, Marchand shoots, deflected, they score! That's a far spot for David Pasternak! He directs it home right through the blue paint! 4-1 Bruins, a power play goal! Actually, a matinee yesterday on Columbus Day, and the Bruins won it over the Anaheim Ducks. The score was 4-1, to a big day for David Pasternak. All right, let's bring in one of the best and one of the really great guys out there, uh, Jim Brandstetter, the voice of Michigan football. Brandy, it's always, always great to have you on the other end of the line. Hey, Steve, it's always good to be with you and all the folks in western Pennsylvania. We have some fun, I think, this weekend. All right, I, I want to get to so. Michigan. Yeah, I, I know you hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the read on your team from you right now? You've watched all six games. You've called every single play. So what is your read on them, and what don't you know yet? Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's the answer to that question. My read is, I don't know yet. <laughs> and... and yeah. I, it's they. I don't know what they are. Uh, I tell you what, they played the first half against Illinois like the, you know they were going to blow them right out of their own building, and then in the third quarter they went to bed uh, and didn't wake up until early in the fourth quarter, and were able to put it away forty-two twenty-five. Uh, they've had they've had some inconsistencies. They've turned the ball over unbelievably. Do you under do you realize they've got seventeen fumbles this year? I mean, they, they lost. Them yeah, all. they lost. They lost three last year. They lost three all of last year. Right, and they got seventeen of them this year. I mean, it's it's like where does that happen? How does that happen? And I, I don't know. So that's that's my answer to your question. I know that they've got talented kids, and I know that they can play extremely well. But it, it's about putting sixty minutes together and reaching that that potential that everybody believes that they have, and that's. That's where this team is, somewhere in between uh, underachieving and, and getting to that potential. Jim Harbaugh is trying to put it all together. The new offense is, is, has been sluggish. Defensively, they can still play. Uh, I think Wisconsin is going to get a lot of people trouble. Uh, but, but defensively, I think they're still a strong football team. Offensively, I would call it sluggish. Michigan has always has been traditionally, including under Jim Harbaugh, a power straight ahead running game. What kind of adjustment has it been for the offensive line to play this way instead of playing downhill that way? It's it's been an adjustment clearly because because we're not. I mean, uh, the the running game. While well, last week was their best running attack all year long, they got 295 yards against uh, Illinois. 
and they had uh, two hundred yard runners in Hassan Haskins and uh, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, but it, it's been a bit of a struggle. The only other hundred yard game we had was uh, Zach had to go thirty carries against the Army to get a hundred. So. I, I think that they're, the offensive line and the adjustment, because you're not running an I formation back there like they used to. You're running that uh, quarterback in the shotgun, the running back to his left or to his right. They give the ball to the running back three yards deep, and then he reads the zone blocking and tries to, to make yardage. Uh, and, and Michigan just hasn't gotten it, I don't think, figured out yet with new offensive coordinator uh, Josh Gaddis. Uh, but again, that's the change. You will not on the goal line. You won't see a straight eye. You will not see the three tight end offense uh, that Michigan has featured in the past. Shea Patterson, does this fit how he plays? It was supposed to. Uh, Shea has not played as well this year as he did last year, and yet we were told that this run pass option kind of a deal and read option type of an offense would would fit his skills. He and Dylan McCaffrey for to for that matter. Uh but but his numbers have not been as good. Um and again I think it's partly the offensive line because I don't think that they have really gelled and put together and they should be because they're a veteran group. And yet the, the running game has it going. When a running game doesn't go well and your quarterback can't get protected I don't care who you are. I don't care what your last name is as a quarterback. You're going to have trouble, and and I think that's what Shea has, uh, you know, Shea has experienced there, a, a, a lack of confidence, if you will, in the line being able to protect him. Because when he's got that time and and he's in that pocket pocket and it's clean, I mean, he plants that back foot and he rips that ball out of there. He looks like a guy that can play on Sundays. But then there are days like against Wisconsin, he was thrown off his back foot. It just looked like he was very uncomfortable. And I would think that's what Penn State wants to do to Michigan this coming weekend. Well, as you said earlier, Wisconsin makes everybody uncomfortable. A lot of it's them uh, well, when you look at how Wisconsin plays. I'm telling you what, they're really good. Uh, what they, what everybody talks about, Jonathan Taylor, and, and they should. The guy is off the charts. His numbers as a running back just crazy. But don't forget about that defense now. Uh, they're they're right. that that they're better than advertised, I think, on defense. And that defense is getting, a, I think, flying a little under the radar because of Jonathan Taylor getting all the headlines. Right, exactly. But one thing Shea does have, I mean, is this you know Michigan's had some combinations of really talented receivers over the year. What do you think of the talent with this particular group? I think they're amazing. I mean, that's and again, part of this whole mystery of the offense. The sluggishness of it is that you want Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins and Ronnie Bell and Tariq Black, those guys all, you know, you want them to be to be dominant. And uh, give you an example, Donovan. Now, Donovan's missed, missed a couple of games, but he's only got 12 receptions. I mean, Tariq Black has only got 15 receptions. Ronnie Bell leads the team with 20 receptions. Uh, Nico's got 13. Of those four, you you would like to see them all, uh, you know, up there in the twenties uh, at this point in a season because they're that talented. Um, and, and and it's again part of the fact that the offense of the running game hasn't been going that well, so they haven't been able to you know sustain you know have a lot of long drives, and uh, two protections broken down a bit on them. So uh, I I think again that they are very talented at the wide receiver position. 
And, and when they figure it out, if they figure it out, it's going to be a this going to be a tough out. This offense to get them off the field. Uh, you mentioned the Charbonnet getting. Uh, he was, you know, he and his son had the 100-yard rushing games against Illinois. Right. I was listening to the Army game, uh, driving into the pit game here, and you know, as the game's going, I remember when Zach Charbonnet got to 100 yards, and Dan Deardorff and yourself went back and forth on the fact it was 33 carries. Uh, how t- how- <laughs> I'm a good listener. <laughs> well, no, you are, and and both of us believe. Uh, we we come from old school, Dan and I do. Uh, yeah. If you don't average better than four and a half a carry, you can get a hundred. So what? You know. But but if you get a hundred and twenty carries, now you're talking. Uh, Thirty three carries for a hundred yards. Yeah, okay, good. Congratulations. But uh, it, it should come in fewer runs. I mean, we we both feel that way. And so while it's a you know landmark number uh, in thirty three carries. Not as right. impressive as if you got it in right. eighteen. You know what I'm saying? No, it's like a it's like a basketball player that gets twenty seven points on twenty seven shots. There's an yeah, efficiency right. exactly. to it. That, that's right. perfect analogy right. right there. Yeah. I mean that's that you know, hey, the number looks good. Oh wait, the efficiency part isn't as great. But what kind of runner has he been? Has he been the kind of guy that between the tackles has been tough? Does he have a breakaway burst to him? Yeah, he's a little bit of both. I mean he's he's a he's a big kid, he's a true freshman. Uh, and he's six one. He's two twenty. So he's a big back, uh, and he's got good speed. Um, and he's averaging close to five yards a carry now with with the week he had a week ago. But I would say that you know inside the tackles they haven't busted some plays like they should. Up the other night he split the, splits the hashes and goes fifty. They've had to make some people miss in order to make something happen. And uh, he's able to get wide uh, because he does have that speed. But Hassan got wide better a week ago against Illinois than Zach has. But he's Zach's a little bit of both. It's a big back speed to turn the corner and get upfield. Uh, and the best thing is he's, he's proven to have pretty good ball security for a true freshman. He blocks the blitz pretty well. So, overall, true freshman, give him high marks. All right, so let's get to the defensive part because you know Don Brown has done a great job at Michigan. I mean, yes, nothing short of a great job. Uh, he's also been able to do a great job because of the way it's been recruited. Is that there's been lockdown corners, and that's given him the freedom to I think to play chess and have some fun with the other nine players out there. Yep. Does he have that same model in place with this defense? Is it developing in that direction, Jim? You know, not, but I'll tell you this too: that the last game they put sixty-two on us, kind of shocked everybody. But again, I think it kind of you teach old dog new tricks. Don Brown will be a great. That's the way he is. That's the way he'll coach. But he this year has backed out into some zone and, and gone away from the man-to-man on occasion because he doesn't. You and I both know that in football it's a copycat league, and if something's successful against somebody, the next guy up right. is going to try it. And, and so we're going to see more of that. Michigan's going to see what Ohio State did a year ago. And and so he's had to find a way to maybe play a little bit more zone and take those crossing routes out of the mix. But in right. his heart of hearts, he, he wants to be that pressure guy. He, he believes 
that if you create a negative play, if you got a guy going second and 20 or second and 17, that his chances of making a first down are nil. And, and that's kind of the way, way he's coaching. And he's got the people to do it. Uh, he's got really good corners this year. Uh, uh, Lavert Hill and Ambry Thomas and Vincent Gray have played really well. But, again, he's mixed in some zone uh, because he's been burned on a couple of plays. Uh, the Wisconsin game was just this aberration where they couldn't stop the run, and normally they're a good run-stopping team. So, but he, you're, you're, you're not. Don Brown's no mystery. I mean, I know that Coach Franklin and uh, Ronnie, those guys know what what they're going to see. You know, with Don Brown when they show up Saturday night. And technically, they've gone more to a three-four look. Has it made a difference? You know what? It's funny. That's what, again, is so neat about Don Brown. It it can be a 3-4, but it's really a 4-3 because Uche is, line, is a linebacker, but yeah. really a defensive end, uh, even though he's up and on I'm a big know, I'm a big Uche guy. I think yeah. he is I think he is a force out there. Yeah, he, he really is. He's, he's You know what? It's kind of like if you look at Belichick and the New England's defense, they sometimes have two down linemen and two outside backers, and they're wandering around out there. And and just the other night, saw Pittsburgh do the same thing with uh, J.J. Yeah. Watt. You know, he lined up kind of somewhere and wound up rushing between the guard tackle and the a gap. So that's a little bit what Don Brown says. Does you'll have four down linemen look traditional, then all of a sudden you'll have two down linemen with three, four, five linebackers standing back there. And part of that, I think, is to give the quarterback a different look and figure out, okay, where's where's the pressure coming from this time, and and he'll change it up. All, all over the place, and, and, that, and that's that's his mo. And how important a chess piece is the versatility of Kalike Hudson for him? Oh man, you 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 got that nailed. Um, he's linebacker, uh, safety, uh, and defensive end, rush guy. Um, he gives he gives Don Brown. Let's put it this way: he gives Don Brown a lot of options. You can tell Kalik, okay, Kalik, this time you're going to be a defensive end. And you're going to you're going to be an edge rusher. Okay, next time you're going to cover the tight end. Okay, next time you get the back out of the backfield. Next time you're playing zone. You know, I mean, and he can do it all. And and he's big enough, you know, to rush the passer. He's he's strong enough and quick enough to run with a tight end or a running back. And and I think that he gives he's the Swiss Army knife. If you will, in this uh, in this Don Brown defense. And your thoughts on Saturday night? What are some things that are going to be important as you watch you know this start to play out? Well, the the big key for me is Michigan can't turn the ball over. I mean, if you turn the ball over, you're on the road at a whiteout in, in, in State College. We've been there before. It is a long night, and. And you can't do that. Then you can't give up big plays. You must, I think, control the ball, uh, keep their offense off the field, keep Hamlin off the field, and and um, that's that's the key to success for Michigan. For you know, for Penn State, it's I think a little different. It's they want to run the ball. I think you, Kane looks like he stepped out in front of those four running backs last week against Iowa. Uh, but I think you want to keep Michigan's offense off the field. And you're going to wear that defense down, uh, the Michigan defense, which I think you know serves you as a Penn State player uh, better in the fourth quarter. But for Michigan, mm-hmm. I think it's real key. You must not turn the ball over. You cannot make mistakes, and you can't you know go 
first downs are going to be great. You don't if you're in second and thirteen against that defense, look out, Charlie. Uh, and and you can't turn the ball over. Those are for me. If Michigan does that, they'll be playing four quarters down there. That's old school way of looking at it. That's the right way to look at it. Well, you kind of got two old school programs, and they yeah, both, got they that both right. live with that defense. Yep. Yeah, they sure do. Because yeah. that's what Penn State did last week at Iowa, and they won the turnover battle. They won the field position battle, and they won the. The, uh, ironically, won the time of possession. Well, and, and guess so. and guess what? Ultimately, that translates to winning the game. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's amazing yeah. how some of the old, all, with that, all the analytics that, in the world, and amazing how how technical we get, and yet you still go back to the old dinosaurs out there, and those <laughs> yeah. precepts turn to be true. It's amazing, you know. It's amazing the staples yeah, of is. the game. Hey, I can't wait to see you on Saturday yeah, night, Jim. See you, Stevie, and uh, Jack and the whole gang. Dan won't make it this week. He's uh, yeah, he's not be able we to know, get yeah. Town, but but uh, yeah, we're good we to see th- Jack. Another Hall yeah. of Famer. Yeah, I know. We too. You and I are lucky. We get to work with the Hall well, of Famers. Amen, brother. Yeah, <laughs> they make us better. Yes, they do. It's always Jim. good to be on a good team, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having, being able to sit there and watch two teams combined at eleven and one usually is a lot more fun for the broadcasters. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you start getting ramped up for it, you know, Thursday afternoon. Yeah. It just—it's fun. It, it, we got the luckiest job in the world. You got that right. You—you have—you are spot on there. Jim, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it Steve, very much, my pleasure. friend. Take good care. We'll see you Saturday. You got it. Jim Brandstetter, the outstanding play-by-play voice of Michigan football. We'll come back with more in a moment. Tomorrow, Mark Wogenrich will join us on the, on the show. High School Football Roundtable on Thursday. Matt McGloin will join us on Thursday as well. And... Uh, have we found out yet uh, our options on the round table? I'm banking on the chief, as always. What about the other guy? Well, you know. The other guy. That's the problem. Sure. I do. <laughs> here, uh, here, here at News Radio 1070 WK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. That was a fun hour.
We haven't had that much fun in an hour on this radio station since the second quarter of the Shikolomi game. <laughs> That's true. Last Friday night, by that point, uh, it was quickly getting out of hand in the Braves' favor. Braves will get Shemokin this Friday night. I know. Yep. I'm sure he's already pacing back and forth trying to construct the open. <laughs> you know, Henry Hynoski not taking his calls and so. <laughs> yeah, but that was always the case. Right. All right, so uh... <laughs> I said to him, wait, that's right. Yeah, the like, same thing happened to you with the Loyal Sock coach a couple weeks ago. <laughs> there is a point where everybody knows. So, all right. Uh... <laughs> the power of the pod. Yeah. He's also no, the it's digital. Actually, it's also the digital guy, so he should already know that too. Now they still do a pregame on like Facebook or Instagram, or I don't think they do that anymore. To be truthful, I haven't seen it. I, I don't think it'll probably. Because I know the eight. Uh, I mean, both viewers loved it. <laughs> it just dropped from eight to two there in a matter of seconds. I, I, they'll probably bring it back for basketball season in December. I would think. Why? Just for fun. I thought it was a good question. Sometimes the best questions are one word. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hubble's Wharf. Our thanks to Tony Knopp, who joined us in the 3.30 half hour. Check that out in the podcast. Well, that was a... Is it amazing how the last hour has gone by so quickly? I mean, the last hour just flew by. Boom. I mean... Like, like, let's go back to like Friday night in the post game show. How much that dragged, and that was only ten minutes. Oh, that was a different story. <laughs> I was concerned you were talking about game night for a second there. <laughs> game night, game night's a gold standard. Okay, and I thought the chief did everything he could to save the post game show on WK. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, when ten minutes sound, when ten minutes sounds like an hour. They got done Not pretty good. Yeah, when they, it, got, uh, they got done pretty early since it was in mercy rule in the second half. Right, right. I mean, when an hour sounds like ten minutes, that's good. Yeah. When it's the other way around, I end up being the interim play-by-play guy. All right, so uh... <laughs> <laughs> that title's been kicked around quite a bit the last couple months. Interim, but what's but what's great? It's you. You can tell the difference between an interview and a conversation. That's what makes the time even go by faster. Well, no, these guys are just great guys. I mean, they're just great people to have on. That's the bottom line. They're the ones that make it go, which is great. And so it's on the podcast. Check it out. Uh, and tomorrow, Mark Wogenrich will be on. We'll have Neil Kulong on tomorrow, too. The Steelers have a double bye week coming up. They're the only team in the NFL that gets back-to-back bye weeks. Did you know that? I mean, they don't I play this week, and could have sworn then they, they play were, the Dolphins. Yeah, well, could have sworn they're playing. And then they right? play the Dolphins. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bye week. Uh, so, 
<laughs> they played the Redskins. Somebody had to win. Oh. Really? <laughs> you picked that one wrong. I know that one. Well, that that yeah. one crushed you. Yeah, that's that. That's gonna that sealed my fate for the year. Now we're yeah seven back. Uh, is it seven back or nine back behind uh, King Kevin? See now yeah, the king's rolling along. Yeah, he's cooking. He's, yeah, he's, he's uh thirteen yeah, and one the past in, two weeks. He good. Yeah. Crushing it. Yeah. All right. But well, you're, but you're steady as she goes, right there in the middle. You're still within a puncher's chance. Me, absolutely. Me, oh, I've no, been on no, the no, I've been on the mat since October first. I know. I mean, Kevin's out there in a yacht. I've got a cabin cruiser. You're a kayak on on a on a, you know, doing circle on a western western creek. <laughs> yeah, heading for the waterfall. <laughs> waterfall dead ahead without a barrel. <laughs> All right, James Franklin at his press conference today. Some thoughts from the Nittany Lion head coach on the upcoming matchup in the Whiteout with Michigan. You know, when you kind of look at them on tape and on film, starting with their, you know, their offense, obviously that we got a lot of history with with Josh Gaddis. Um, very happy for him uh, professionally, very happy uh, for him personally. Uh, obviously a great opportunity to go be the offensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. Everybody knows that we were together for, for a long time. Uh, Josh was with me at Vanderbilt uh, for two years and then here at Penn State and did a fantastic job. So uh, I want to thank Josh for uh, the job that he did when we were together. And uh, again, uh, very, very happy for him and his family. Rich Scarcella, Reading Eagle. James. Hey, Rich. Does Michigan's offense look radically different than from what you've seen from them in the past? And since they do have aspects of what you've been doing, how can that help you and your team in preparation? Yeah, I think obviously, you know, they have familiarity with us. We have familiarity with them. Um, but again, you know, it's there's some Penn State in there. There's some Alabama in there. There's some there's some Michigan in there. Um, you know, so there, there's familiarity uh, in both directions. So um, I would say in some ways they're probably more familiar with us than we are with them because Josh is – not didn't leave right from Penn State and go there. He's had he's had other experiences. He's had other influences. Derek Lavars, Wilkes Bear Times leader. Hi, James. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. James, uh, with Robert Windsor, he seemed especially determined in the off season uh, to make the most of this year. What maybe stood out to you about his preparation uh, coming into the season in the spring and the summer, and, and how rewarding is it to see it pay off for him? Well, you know, he's he's a senior. You know, he's a year older. He's more mature. I saw his mom after the game and gave her a huge, long hug and just was telling her how how proud I am of, of, of Robert. I mean, literally in every aspect of his life. The young man that, that – it's funny, he told a story Friday night before the team about how his family just dropped him, dropped him off with all his bags and just left. Um you know, and uh, the, the, to think about that young man that his parents dropped off from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, five years ago, and to think about how he has matured and grown in every area of his life, and a kid, and really a family that are so appreciative of the whole Penn State experience. Um, to me, that this this is why you do it. You know, that that's what it's all about, and. Um, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't be more happy for him. You know, this this is 
you know, and this is how you want the story to play out. And, um, you know, he's earned this. He really, he really has. He's earned the respect of his teammates and coaches and, um, and obviously, you know, he's gotten better every single year. And this, this last year has, has really put it all together. So I think he's got a chance to have a huge impact for us on Saturday. We're going to need him to have a huge impact for us on Saturday. I think one of their strengths uh, is their offensive line. So we're going we're gonna to need our defensive line to, to play really well. Mark Wilgen, Rich Allen, Tom Morning Call. Hi, James. Hey, Mark. Saturday... You said you studied the run game after last year because you didn't think it was sophisticated enough. What sort of things did you study, and how is the run game more diverse now? Well, we were pretty much, and and you know, again, I don't I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but we were pretty much an inside zone team. That's what we were. We had variations of of the inside zone, and and and, I, and it really wasn't last year. It's really been the last two years with Ricky. Um, I just felt like we needed more diversity, you know, in, in our running game. We had the inside zone, and then we had the tackle wrap schemes um, that we did. Um, so, you know, I think some of the stuff that we're doing now, um, you know, some of the some of the counter, depending on what category, family, kind of how you view football, how you put it in. But some of the counter stuff we're doing with the guard pulling and the tight end pulling as well, and wrapping and leading through. Um, a lot of that stuff showed up. Um, in our four-minute offense at the end of the game. So now not only do we have a little bit more diversity in normal downs throughout the entire game, but also when you get in some of those situations where you want to be able to run it at times where everybody in the stadium knows you're, you're going to run it and have the ability to do that. I think it's the first time we've done that against that type of opponent in my six years since I've been here. So I think that is a critical, critical moment um, you know, in our, in our six years um, on the offensive side of the football. So that that's kind of what I'm talking about is, is I think it makes it a little bit more difficult to defend. Um, and it allows you in situational football to have some things in your back pocket that you can go to. And, and Ricky did a really good job of having answers. So, you know, we're able to look at their front. We're able to make a call depending on what pressure they're bringing or what front they're showing. We got what we consider our best call into that look. Um, and I thought, I thought our O-line did a great job. I thought our our two tight ends I think that's probably another difference is is we're we're now not just an 11 personnel team we're an 11 personnel team we have the ability to be a 10 personnel team and then we also have the ability to be a 12 personnel team the thing that's great is our 12 personnel has the ability to align and play like a 10 personnel team so we can get into a spread set with our tight ends and they're a threat we can get into 12 personnel and line up in a traditional two-back set and, and be able to run two-back runs. Um, and when you're able to do that from 11 or 12, um, it, it makes you more difficult to defend. And I'm fortunate because as the head coach, I get to kind of bounce back and forth uh, from the, the offensive meeting room to the defensive meeting room. We kind of have this neat deal that we, we built a few years ago. We used to have this old storage closet in between the offensive meeting room and the defensive meeting room. I don't know if any of you guys have, have been up there and seen it. Uh, maybe this summer when you guys come back to the barbecue, I'll, I'll show you. But it used to be this kind of this 
just this storage room, and it had playbooks like in there from like the 60s. It was just wasted dead space. So we gutted that out and turned it into a GA office. So I kind of walked back and forth between the offensive meeting room and the defensive meeting room through that GA office and things that I hear the offense talking about that I think can help the defense. And then I go to the defensive side and things that the defense are saying that I think can help the offense, and I bounce back and forth. Um, so that's the value of, of being the head coach is you're seeing things from 300 feet and um, you know being able to to bring some perspective to, to both sides of the ball because you'd be you'd be surprised how little time the offense and the defense spend together once once the season starts Frank Bodani York daily record hi good afternoon James hey Frank hello um, KJ can you describe his personality in depth a little bit and the effect that it has on your team, his teammates, is it unique at all, the energy and his style? Yeah, I like KJ a lot as a person, as a, as a player. Um, you know, I think that play the other night where we threw the little swing pass to him and there was 12 defenders around him and he found a way to get three yards, three of the most exciting yards you've ever seen in a first down is exactly how we drew it up and schemed that play to work out. Um, but KJ's He's been phenomenal, you know. Um, not only is he a dynamic player, but he's a dynamic personality. Uh, he walks into team meetings. He walks into interviews. He comes out to practice every single day, and 99.9% of the time, um, he lights up the room. Uh, he brings energy. It's infectious. It's fun. You want to be around him. Uh, you want him around others. Um, it's special. You know, he's got two great parents. Um, dad is awesome, but I think his personality probably most closely aligns with mom. You guys have all probably seen the rap um, birthday videos that they've done. Um, that, that's how mom is. She's, she's the same way. Uh, you know, they're, they're great. You know, so um, I love KJ. I uh, love the whole family. As you guys know, I, I've said this before, KJ would fall into this category as well. I'm going to try to send mom and dad away on a romantic vacation uh, up in the Poconos with them old um, uh, heart-shaped beds that they used to have in the late 70s and early 80s. What's it? With Mount Airy Lodge and the, uh, the champagne glass hot tubs they used to have up there. Joe Giuliano, Philadelphia Inquirer. Now you know mom's going to have a response to that. Yeah, yeah, she absolutely will. Joe? Uh, hello, James. Hey, Joe. Sorry about that. Hey, no problem. Uh, Mount Airy Lodge is a... Uh... It used to be a great place. Have you been? Um, uh, there to play golf, not to uh, yeah. uh, do any romance or anything. <laughs> yeah, we weren't asking all that, Joe. Uh, <laughs> um, James, you mentioned on HBO last week that your goal was to uh, become the first African-American coach to win a college football national championship. And I was just wondering, uh, what African-American coaches served as your role models earlier in your career? And, and when did you feel that this was a, a, a goal worth chasing? Yeah, you know, again, obviously, I'd, I'd love to talk about being one, one and zero oh this week, but but we, you know, I did open this up, um, so I'll answer your question. But yeah, you know, obviously, Tony Dungy. Um, 
I think played a big part. You know, you look at that first Super Bowl with with Tony and and Lovey. Um, I think had a profound impact on the sport and on the game and on coaches um, that that you know look like look like me and look like Lovey and look like Tony. Um, I think that had an impact. And then when you saw it happen at the NFL level and felt like that was a you know a important moment you know within the sport and hopefully opened up some opportunities for others um, that hopefully the the same thing could happen in in college football Um, if you look the number of head coaches in in major college football um, is not great Um, there's been times where it's it's kind of gone up a little bit and there's been times where it's dropped back down but the number really hasn't changed um, in a long time hasn't grown um, so, you know, again, my, my focus is on my family. My focus is on um, our locker room and our, on our football program and our team and, and Penn State. And I wake up every single day completely consumed um, with my family and, and Penn State. Um, but, but what I would also say is, is those um, goals um, and aspirations align. You know, they, they align with that. You know, they align with, with, with Penn State. They align with, with my family and the type of role model that I'd like to be for my daughters and, and those types of things. So um, it's not something that, you know, I spend a whole lot of time talking about. It's not some, something I spend a whole lot of time, you know, thinking about. But it is, it is probably, um, you know, something I do carry with me um, that, that is important. That is important to me. Mike Gross, Lincoln Newspapers. Good afternoon, James. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? Mount Airy Lodge. I have not been to Mount Airy Lodge. Very familiar with it. Okay. Been to similar facilities in our area. Actually. Um, uh, I. It seems to me, not not knowing anything. It seems to me that Iowa plays pass coverage much differently than Michigan does. So how is this a different challenge for your passing game, uh, and 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 why do you think the, the the passing game maybe wasn't more efficient? I mean, 117 yards on Saturday, less than five yards per attempt. Uh, why do you think it wasn't a little bit better? Um, well, well, first of all, yeah, very different styles, very different approaches defensively. I mean probably couldn't be any more opposite to be honest with you um but very effective and they they've pretty much played that way with everybody and you know uh, one of the things i think is a tremendous compliment i think i said this last week is if you turn your tape on from this year you turn your tape on from four years ago it is very similar they have an identity and they play within that identity really well and they allow their players to play fast and they allow their players to play aggressive i think i think uh mr stone is a great example of that um some of the freedoms that he you know has in that defense and uh, has got tremendous instincts and and just plays all right so uh this show uh rolled along today at an incredible pace that's what happens we have great guests and content you know 
great guests and content. You know, Tony Knopp, great content, great guest. Jim Brandstetter, great t- content, great guest. James Franklin's press conference gives you a perspective. More tomorrow with Mark Wogenrich and then Neil Kulong. So we'll talk Penn State football with Mark from the Allentown Morning Call. And then we'll go to Neil Kulong of USA Today. So we have a lot going on, putting a lot of pieces together as the week goes along. Matt McGloin is going to join us on Thursday. Matt was uh, put into the XFL today uh, and assigned to the New York Guardians. He was not drafted by the New York Guardians. He was assigned to the New York Guardians. And this was a process Asher was done before today. But Matt will join us on the show Um. Uh, on Thursday, and it looks like we're going to have Jack Ham on Friday. And our roundtable, of course, is tomorrow. Uh, Greg Wetzel, tremendous. I mean, Greg's great. He's always in the studio every week. Great insight. Zach Showers always is there for Sealands Grove. Great insight. And uh, the chief, uh, Dave Ritchie. And it'll be fun to talk with... Uh, it'll be fun to talk with the chief tomorrow because they're coming off a win. And I think that's that's that that's the fun part. It's always tough to sit there, and I've been in the position before when you're sitting there talking about, well, yeah, you know, they played hard and this was good and that was good, but you know, and there's always that, oh well, and you have to go back to the oh well part, and that's that's not easy. Well, now Dave and I get to have a fun conversation about uh, about a win. I, I thought for sure the suit would jump in. It was kind of like one of those bandwagon moments. You know, because a lot of people have asked me why he limps, and I said because he's constantly jumping on and off the bandwagon. He keeps spra- spraining an ankle. Uh, <laughs> if anyone sees me with a limp, it's because I have a collapsed heel. It's not because <laughs> nothing yeah. nothing to do with being a non-team player. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 <sighs> So that's coming up on tomorrow's show. Wogo and Neil. Neil, bringing it. And then it's the Steelers' bye week. Love it. Well, it's part of back-to-back bye weeks. That's true. I mean, well, I mean, let's be honest about it. There's I love no this, though. I mean, you're, you're, you're giving the black and gold an automatic check on the left side it's, box. Yes. For the twenty eighth, so they that'll put us at three and four. Okay, so we like that. Let's 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 look at this. It's the Miami Dolphins, right? If you don't put the check mark there now, you're no fan. No. Okay, That's that deep. team, that team makes the Jets look like they're in Super Bowl three. <laughs> We're guaranteeing a win over the Dolphins. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.